It's the Craggy Rugby Podcast. It's the Midsummer Edition. We're sitting in the back garden in the Marty Rabbits. Um, beautiful day yet again. It's supposed to be a heat wave, but it's an Irish heat wave. It's, <laughs> there's a bit of heat but no sun. <laughs> but at least it's not raining. I've got William Davis with me. Yeah, it's pleasant enough, Alan. It's uh, The heat's coming, we're told. It's coming. It's been coming for a while. We wouldn't <laughs> have been able to sit out here last week. We'd have been dying from hypothermia, but... Uh, uh, it's good to be it's good to be outside and uh, it's good maybe that we're actually now at the point where we might get a break from rugby yeah yeah i think there's still a little bit of super rugby to go but for, for the most part um rugby season's going to go quiet for a few weeks but we thought there's so much has happened since the last podcast which was our season review we've had the champions cup draw there's been the pro 14 conference change there's been players getting awards there's been players picked on irish squads um so let's start off with the first, the big news, I suppose. The big thing is, is the Champions Cup draw. And yet again, we get Toulouse, fourth time in five Champions Cups. We get Gloucester, a team who we've never beaten in Europe. And Montpellier, who we have a pretty good record against, as it turns out. 1-6, lost 2. So um, what are your thoughts on that? I was, di- I was a bit disappointed with the teams we got. I was looking for something a bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Look, you're always going to get one, you have to get one tier one side. I suppose the weakest of those, surprisingly, might have been Exeter, who don't have a great record in the Champions mm-hmm. Cup. Uh, but we've got Toulouse, who have motored through France this year. Very impressive, won their title. Very, very high class performance, I thought, against Claremont. Yeah. They're a big side, but they're playing a brand of rugby that's very different to the Toulouse we saw a couple of seasons ago. Yeah, exactly. Like you're looking at them, they won the championship. They were beaten semi-finalists because they had to come to Dublin to play against Leinster, a team who were, I think they were the only team apart from Saracens who beat Leinster in the Champions Cup uh, last season. So like they're they're proper quality side playing proper quality rugby, and they've got some some fascinating players that I'm I'm certainly looking forward to seeing. Um, Colby, Chelsea Colby wasn't with them when we were there, and I'm looking forward to seeing this five foot seven bolt of lightning playing on the wing. Hopefully, we'll see him in the sports ground. Jerome Kino, another you know an all black, fantastic player, um, and Romain Entomac, who wasn't around again. He's he's one of their newer players, and and seems to be you know going to be one of these fantastic players who can do it all. Yeah, they they're going to have a serious crack at the Champions Cup. So. Gloucester, on the other hand, yeah, we've played them a lot. We never lose by much, but we never win. Yeah, uh, they were third in the Premiership in England, and they were clearly the third best team in that. It was a very congested Premiership, mm. apart from Saracens and Exeter, who kind of ran away a bit at the top. Gloucester were impressive. They are a better side. It's very interesting. They they beat Connacht here in the quarter final of the Challenge Cup last year, and they got to the final. And somehow they managed to lose to Cardiff. I, I don't think Cardiff know how they won. Gloucester probably still haven't figured out how they lost. Yeah. But they kicked on from that. Um, big South African influence there. Again, they're just one of these big, awkward English sides. So they're going to be a big challenge. Uh, Connacht just don't get the job done against them. In Sale this year, we beat them in Galway. But, you know, the two two wins over there. They, they won't bring anything particularly unusual to the table. But, no. but what they do bring, they'll... They'll, they'll do it well. Yeah, and their only sign that I can see of note that, that you know we would anyone would know is Joe Simpson from Wasps. 
you know, he scored one of the tries for Wasps here a couple of seasons back in the Champions Cup. Um, in the game that <laughs> the game that John Muldoon managed to convince the ref that <laughs> a law was in place that wasn't at the time, and we got to get a, a last-minute try and Carty kicked that famous uh, that famous conversion. Um, but everyone else in their team, we either have seen them before, except of course Danny Cipriani. Uh, he's going to be hopefully something special. Yeah, you would think so. Uh, he's, I don't think he's going to play for England under the current regime. Uh, mercurial, I suppose, would be the word. Uh, can get himself into bother on and off the pitch, but <laughs> when he's playing well. And it's going to be a different kind of Champions Cup anyway because it's right on top of, it starts right on top of uh, the World Cup. Mm. The Irish players will be rested. The English players won't, neither will the French. They will. Well, the Irish players will be rested, assuming. They get out of their group. They'll get out of their group, Ellen. They're going to get. To, they're going to get to the quarter final. If they win that, they're go, they're going to play two more games. Yeah. Now that's going to be a real challenge because yeah. at that stage, some of them might be missing for three rounds. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how that will play out. Montpellier, sixth in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were easier teams in that tier four. I would have said Bath, the Ospreys, Benetton. We didn't want sales. So we didn't get them. We just didn't want to have to go there again. Yeah. But Montpellier is interesting. It's two trips to France. It really depends when you play them. Yeah. If they're still involved in the group, then they're a threat. If they're not involved in the group, you can see them backing off it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, like they finished second last year in the Champions Cup, and it was Edinburgh who got ahead of them. And like we know, we're definitely at Edinburgh's level, and and so you'd like to think that we'd be able to. Um, Take a, take on that Montpellier side. It is. It's not somewhere we are afraid of going. We've won down there a couple of times. So great place uh, to go. Ah, it's my favourite French town so far. I've been to a fair few of them, and you know, it's the Paris of the South. It really is a fabulous place. It's just a pity it's going to be later in the year. Would have been lovely in October. Yeah, um, it'd be nice to play that game. Have them away first and home last. Yes. Don't know how that works out on the seedings. How they do these games, but they are. Look, they'll be a challenge, but it. They came sixth in the top 14. That's a great result for them. Yeah. They are going to want to maintain that. Yes. And if they have to drop one competition, they would probably... It would be Europe. Yeah. But then when we look at the new draws in the Pro 14, which we'll come to, Connacht will have some challenges as well because um, there's a few teams in our conference don't have to play Champions Cup rugby. Of the other Irish teams, Munster seem to have got as bad a draw as Leinster got as good a draw as they could have wanted. Well, there's always a group of death, yeah, uh, as they call it in every, whether it's hockey or cricket or rugby or whatever it is. And Munster seem to have got it because I don't think they'll worry too much about the Ospreys, but Saracens and Racing '92 is is difficult. Yeah, Saracens are one of the sides that you feel would think we can go to Thomond Park and win. Yeah, and would almost expect to do it. Yes, and as European champions. So that's a good challenge. Uh, Leinster somehow came out with Leon, Northampton, and Benetton. Um, now that might calm them down a bit because I think they are very concerned about players not coming back from Ireland. I don't think Ireland are going to budge on this, but we'll see. Yeah, yeah. But if these players have been in camp and camp and then go to Japan and play a lot of rugby, they're going to have to be arrested. Ulster. It's fairly normal for Ulster. They've got Claremont, Harlequins and Bath. It's two good, three good trips for the fans. Ulster fans tend to travel a bit for Europe. Mm. Um, Claremont, 
I wouldn't have minded Connacht getting Claremont. Claremont are a, a peculiar side. They were in the top 14 final. When they get to a real pressure game, they just still don't seem to turn up. Yeah. I know they won the Challenge Cup this year. Mm. But Ulster, again, look, you got to win your home games. It's the same for Connacht. If you win your home games, you, you, have, to, you have to start well. Yeah. Um, well, this is one of the things that I don't think people realise. Connacht haven't been beaten at home in the pool stages for four seasons. They've won the last time they won the Champions Cup, they won the three home games, and they've won the last two Challenge Cup sets of Challenge Cups home games. So it's been a while since Connacht have lost at home in Europe. Yeah. That's that's quite a record. I don't think people realise how good a record we have at home. Yeah. So Connacht have more of a chance than people realise, and I think you're the same with Ulster. Yeah, I, I think the key for Connacht, three home games, and it's when you're away match in uh, Montpellier is. Gloucester, you feel you've got to beat them sometime. Yeah. Um, but... <laughs> <laughs> this mightn't be the time and Toulouse I think are compared to the Toulouse sides we've seen here and the Toulouse side the Connacht beat over there they're, they're better they look better yes but they could still have a day where they don't perform uh, but it's high octane it's high pre- they, they press really hard yeah. for 80 minutes yes. they look fit yes and they play at speed they're looking for width all the time so it should be a great game both games should be great games when we see them and, and hopefully we'll get some decent weather that'll go with it as well I think we've talked enough about the, the Ch- Champions Cup there something to really look forward to something for the, the fans to get their, their teeth into let's talk about Pro 14 some people complaining about how these pools have been drawn but I think we've done reasonably okay if, um, if you look at the stats and our record against the teams that we've drawn um Danny and myself put something together it's up on the Patreon site we actually it's not as bad a pool as it seems at first um, it's an interesting thought this day next year will be a Thursday and we will be two days out from the Pro 14 final right and the Pro 14 final will be at the end of June forever and ever after next season so it's just that's something for people to keep in mind we're going to have a different rugby season from now on so we won't be doing our midsummer review probably <laughs> until sometime around about the Galway races yeah, next yeah. year. Um, my concern about these pools is, or these conferences is, I think conference is a nonsense. Yeah, I think Leinster, Ulster, and Glasgow are f- going to finish first, second, and third. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a for to me. That's almost a foregone conclusion. Zebra and the Dragons aren't going to be competitive in there. The Cheetahs, I don't know. I still think there's a, they will be competitive, but they won't finish in the top three. And unless the Ospreys have a major uh, change, they don't win enough away matches. They mm. barely win. Even when they win away matches, they're in Wales. Yeah. So that's Conference A. I think Conference B is a bit overloaded. You are going to have six teams chasing three places. Munster yep. will probably top it. Uh, so you could then have Connacht, Edinburgh, Cardiff, Scarlets and Benetton yeah. chasing two places. Southern Kings are potentially going to become the best financed side in South Africa. Yeah. Now that might make a difference next season, but next following season it could do. And these, these conferences are in place for two seasons. Yeah. Uh, I can't understand how Zebra and the Dragons who, to my estimation, are the two weakest teams in the whole operation, maybe the Kings, you could argue, are, are moved conferences together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because essentially what Connacht have now got to play against is allegedly the best side in Ireland, Munster. I think mm-hmm. that's debatable, but yes. stats would tell you that. But they're certainly the second best. Edinburgh, clearly the second best team in Scotland. 
Cardiff and Scarlets, to me, are the first and second teams in Wales, even though the Scarlets have failed to qualify for the um, Champions Cup this year. Benetton are the best team in Italy, and the Southern Kings are potentially going to be the best team in South Africa. So it just doesn't look no. balanced for, for what the idea of the conferences was. Uh, and, no, I, but just, and, and, you know, that, that sounds as though Connacht have got a much rougher draw. But if you go back the last 10 games against each of those new teams that we're playing against, we're not talking about Cardiff and Munster, who we always struggle against, no matter what. Against Zebra, we'd won six and lost four. But against Benetton, we'd won eight and lost two. So we actually have a better record well, against I, I, Benetton. I don't think the Pro 12 counts, Alan. I really don't. It's mm. only the Pro 14. The Pro 12 was a single league, and it had all sorts of... Things going okay, on. Okay, even if you want to bring it back, we still bring it back the last five sets of matches. You still, we are still better off against Benetton than we were against Zebra. We've only beaten Zebra once in the last four matches. We've mm. beaten Benetton twice. So you can, you can. It's the same with Edinburgh. Like Glasgow, our biggest bogey team, nearly of all teams, are Glasgow and the Ospreys. We've always struggled to get wins against those teams, and yet we always do do quite well against the Scarlets, and we do very well against Edinburgh. So yes. They're technically better teams, and if you look at the results, they're better teams. But we do better against them, so it's sort of six of one half a dozen of another. Well, bottom line is, no matter my reservations, it's not going to change. No, no. So I, I just think it doesn't. I think Conference A, if you're going to have two equal conferences, yeah, there's something wrong with Conference A because I can't see no. anybody challenging Leinster or Glasgow. No. And interestingly, in the national press, the only real comment that I saw about this change was the fact that it really wasn't good enough that Leinster and Glasgow, one of them wouldn't get a home semi-final. <laughs> and I have to say, that, that made me laugh out loud yeah. and swear yeah. under my breath. But that was the only comment that I saw. Um, and that shows maybe the mentality that's still around this competition. Mm-hmm. We still don't have any fixtures. Mm-hmm. It's the end of June. Uh, well, what, it was the 25th of July or something last year before we saw them, which was well, very, was, very late. They were supposed to be out before now. We do know it's starting, well, if, if, if they stick to this, it's starting on the weekend of the 27th of September, which I think, I think is the Saturday. Yeah. Uh, they're going to play three rounds. They're going to stop for the quarterfinals and semi-finals of the World Cup. But then, somewhat surprisingly, they're going to restart on the weekend that the World Cup final is on. They did that the last time. Do you know why? They reckon the no Northern Hemisphere team will be in there. <laughs> well, it's it's an interesting one. Look, the, the kickoff times in Japan aren't going to affect them, but no. it's it's there's divi- I, I'm told one of the reasons these fixtures are, are delayed and there's issues is the television companies realise they are up against being able to yeah. Find time, find time, and are just up against this thing, the World Cup, yeah. which is going to absolutely dominate the yeah. whole media and mm-hmm. fan area for so long yeah. that this competition is going to be struggling to get airtime and or interest. So that, that's same, ju- but the same, but the same goes for the Gallagher Premiership, and the same goes for the top fourteen. Well, the Premier, the Premiership's not starting till October. Oh, really? Ah, and. I don't in France I think the top 14 just lives in its own world. It yeah. it lives in a bizarre world of its own and nobody expects France to do anything. So they're all it, yeah. But I agree. It, it's it's difficult when we have to It's one of the advantages the southern hemisphere have when they've played the World Cup they all go on their holidays. Our players have to come back and get stuck in mm. and with Europe starting 2 weeks later. Yes. Talking about Europe 
uh, in Conference B were Connacht are Edinburgh. Munster are obviously in the Champions Cup, as are Benetton. Southern Kings aren't involved. But Cardiff, the Scarlets and Edinburgh are all in the Challenge Cup. Yeah. Now that gives them a big advantage, in my view, because they are going to be able to chop and change. Yeah. Whereas it's going to be difficult for Connacht. Once you've fought to get into this top mm -hmm. layer competition, you're going to be expected to put out your best team. You always put out the team you think they can win. I fully understand that. But you're going to be... We Connacht made a lot of changes in the Challenge Cup last they year. Did. A lot of young guys got yeah. to go. Mm -hmm. That's much tougher to do in the Champions Cup because there's big yeah. teams in there. There is. Uh, and it's, it's a different intensity to the Challenge Cup. It's a different feel to it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's going to be an and advantage. And there's much more attention. Yes. Much more attention. Like I, you know, I see it. I see it at, at my place, and I put up. You know, we've got tickets for this game. When it's a Challenge Cup game, I struggle to get rid of them. When it's Champions Cup, I'm fighting them off because you know it's Champions Cup. Even though, and like, like for me, I remember that when when we had Zebra in the Champions Cup. I think there was one period we played them on a, a in the Pro 14. And about three weeks later, we played them in the Champions Cup. Same team, same time of year. One of them I couldn't get rid of tickets. The other one there were, you know, there was twice as four times as many people looking because it was Champions Cup, and that obviously gets into players' heads as well. And so it's a, it's a much a mental tiredness as it is a physical tiredness. Yeah, it's 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 going to be fascinating to see how all squads are rotated, bearing in mind again that the Connacht players who are involved with Ireland, they just mightn't have them for the first two rounds, and mightn't have them for the th you, you, that will be decided on minutes. Yeah. And Connacht will have the least number of internationals at the moment. But, yeah. of course, as the tournament goes on in the World Cup, I think the attrition rate in Japan is going to be huge. Yeah, because it's going to be very hot. It's going to be very hot, which will obviously have an impact on fitness levels. It's going to be very hot to start with, and then it changes a little bit, apparently, in the second month. But it's still... Um, it's a big challenge. It's going to be interesting to see. But there is a slight advantage there for uh, Cardiff Scarlets and Edinburgh because I don't think any of those sides will have much interest in the Challenge Cup. They will be trying desperately to get into the top three in the conference to get back yeah. to the Champions Cup because there really is the gap. We're, we can we're aware of it. Well, we're yeah, aware we of the know, gap now. We know exactly what it is. We know exactly what it is. And I think it's, you're right. And especially for a team like the Scarlets, this is their first time ever not being in the top competition this is going to really sting them it's kind of, they're such a proud club um, but yeah you'd expect them to sort of really focus on the Pro 14 again not sure exactly how many of their guys are going to be affected by the World Cup but you'd, I, I can see Wales going very well in the World Cup I can see them getting quite a distance it's Gatton's last hurrah with them um, so you'd expect them to do well so they might be missing players but as I say they don't they don't rest their players quite as well as the Irish guys do well they, they, they do, but the edict isn't as strong. The yeah. IRFU have real, seem to have real control on this. They just make a decision. Mm. There seems to be negotiation in Wales, uh, and maybe it's left up a little bit more to the player. Whereas I think here, the from what we can see, we're yeah. not completely au fait with it, but you feel that the decision is is made at a different level, and it's from a top down. Yeah, obviously they talk to players, but still. I think the players understand here that the minutes management is huge and they're going to be playing 
So it's very hard rugby in Japan, and they're going to be doing some very hard training beforehand, and they're going to be playing four warm-up matches. So yeah, it's going to a lot. A lot of guys will have a lot of rugby under their belts. And talking about those squads at the moment, there's five five Connacht players in the Irish squad. You've got Finley Bealham and Ulton Delan from the pack, and then you've got Bundyaki, Jack Carty, and Kieran Marmion from the backs. You'd expect Marmion and Aki to definitely go to Japan. You'd probably like to see Delan going. Quinroo must be floating around not too far away from from that. Uh, Bielan would be looking to definitely sort of put his put a marker down that you know he's well capable of getting to to Japan and and Jack Carty will all you know his his selection will depend on whether Johnny Sexton and Joey Carberry are fit. I assume like I, I, he looks as though he's third in line. Could also be will they bring three out halves to Japan because Joey Carberry also can cover full back. Yeah, that's going to be a big decision. They tend not to. Um, you're, you're, you nominate some reserve players, mm. um, but essentially they they're not allowed to be kept in Japan. It's it's where you're. Allo- I'm still fascinated <laughs> as to where you're where allowed you're to keep, put them, keep yeah. them. I think you'll probably have to keep them here. I think you couldn't sort of have them magically on holidays in Singapore or something. Um, yeah. But it's look, it's it's, a, it's it's an overnight flight to Japan. It's not exactly the mm. ends of the earth. Stick them in business or first class, and the shirts. It's no problem at all. Yeah. Um, I have to be honest with you, I think Jack Cardi will get a run there. I, right. I, I just have a feeling that I I don't want to wish an injury on players, but I think the attrition rate in this World Cup, Rory Best has spoken about it, he thinks the squad numbers are too low. I think yes, they are. Yes, I agree. Um, if you think they were low at that, you want to see what they were in the world under 20s, which we'll come to in a while, mm. which was a huge issue. And that was a much more difficult place to get reserves to Argentina. Mm. Um a lot, look, there. We, we know that uh, the Ireland team are in Galway for uh, a week here at the start of July. That's the start. That's when you show what you can do. They're going to be examined, trained um, by Joe Schmidt. He will miss nothing. Mm-hmm. Some of the training will be quite hard. They'll be looking at their physical fitness. I think in those camps they look at mental fitness as well. How are players adapting to being under... Because this is real pressure stuff. Oh, yeah. And, of course, on July the 12th and the Friday, we know they're having an open training session at the sports ground. It's it's ticket only. Um, season ticket holders have a priority booking space, so keep an eye on all the social media. I can really recommend this. I think it's a fantastic thing to come to. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, bring bring your younger... Absolutely. with you yeah um, in my day you used to bring autograph books to these things but I suspect that's rather old fashioned so now you have a <laughs> selfie um, but film was very expensive when I was a kid and it was in black and white and you didn't get to use it so yeah, yeah. you got their autograph on it in a little book but that week is, is the start of it mm. it's very very important uh, the warm up games are some of the strangest rugby matches you ever come across because Sides can use thirty players; they can change yeah. the whole team at half time. Yeah, yeah. But again, we don't know what the coaches are looking for in those situations. But a player might be told, "Right, you're playing the second half of the second game against Wales. Mm. You've got forty minutes, and you've got to go out there and do X, Y, and Z. And if you yeah. do that, you've got to the next stage of yes. the potential. Absolutely. Uh, I think Joe Schmidt knows his thirty-one, mm. but what he mightn't know is the six plus. Yeah, the spares. Yeah. How do you fit them in? Yeah, um, it's it, look. It's an opportunity. Any player from Connacht or any of the provinces that gets a call up to this, this is your chance. 
to get in there mm. um, and it's going to be fascinating to see when eventually the decisions are announced it is and like if you look at Jack he got he, he got voted the Irish Rugby Supporters Player of the Year which is a, a heck of an achievement for a Connacht player it has to be said um, but the supporters obviously really appreciated how well he did because he had a fantastic season last season and that was backed up with the fact that both himself and Colby Fainga were picked on the Pro 14 Dream Team so you know Connacht did well they got a reasonable representation in a, in, in a team of 15 players um, for what they did and Carty is definitely a guy who's and I'm fascinated by this this change that he's made where he's, he's got this mental training coach and where that's come along because I, I saw one of the guys somebody tweeted about it the other day you, you ask professional players you know where's the game won and lost and they'll, they'll all say the top two inches well, do you have a mental training coach no well, hang on a minute if it's one and lost at that level why aren't you doing more of this stuff so it'll be interesting to see how that develops over over time it's certainly worked for Jack yeah and I think the, th- the thing about a World Cup is it's it's a standalone tournament yeah and you could go into that and do brilliantly uh, and that might be the best rugby you ever play yeah it just depends how you adapt to that opportunity mm. Uh, there'll be a complete change at the end of the World Cup because Joe Schmidt and that coaching side are moving on mm-hmm. uh, so Andy Farrell takes over Mike Katz coming in as we've heard this week yep. and that again is an opportunity for players because even if you don't make that squad there's another. there's another thing because some players might retire or some players new coaching ticket might think yeah we're going to move on now because yeah. we've, we've got to get rid of them. I mean the, the next cycle is the next World Cup cycle yeah well you've got the Six Nations oh, well the Six, six Nations six, eight in February you're only you know, the, the, yeah. the, the tournament finishes in November and in February you've got Six Nations which is a massive massively important tournament and is a massive tournament in its own right you just mentioned Mike Cat coming on board which I think is a brilliant brilliant signing I saw uh, an English website talking about the failed coaching ticket for the England World Cup all working in Ireland with Graham Rowntree down and working in Munster and my cat haven't joined I think they're fantastic coaches and they're being brought about by David Nusifora who's just signed a three year extension you look at that you look what he's doing you look at the fact that you also have Stephen Larkham coming in to join Munster it's a heck of a um, an amount of experience rugby experience of World Cup winners guys who know how to win coming into this country and disseminating their, their thoughts and their abilities right across the right across the board so Mr. Sephora in my book seems to be doing a pretty good job I think he is doing a good job he's um, I think he's a very a man with a vision mm. um, and he's pretty single minded in it uh, he doesn't say an awful lot to the media uh, he, he works in the background but um I think, as you're rightly saying, these coaches coming through, um, not so much coming through, but you're bringing in highly experienced coaches, and I think that's good for for the whole game. I think that's a strange comment to say that England's failed World Cup. I mean, get over it, you lost. (laughs) I mean, it's really, I mean, it's it's over, it happened four years ago. Um, England have got a very good chance in this World Cup, so we'll, we'll see. Um, maybe they've got a better chance in this World Cup than they actually ever did in the last World Cup. But you know, yeah. you just can't you can't keep going backwards. You got to keep going forwards. Uh, and to that, I suppose you're talking about the under twenties. They are going forward. Mm. Uh, they've just finished the World Cup in Argentina. Uh, interesting tournament. Uh, Ireland finished eighth, which possibly a little bit disappointing. But they they had so many injuries before they went. Yeah. They got a lot of injuries down there. They they have this system. They have a 28-man mm. uh, squad. 
they're expected to play three games in eight days. Then they get a bit of a break and they play these uh, playoff semi-finals to see which playoff game they go into. Mm. Uh, it's too much rugby, in my view, for that size of squad. I agree. I think it's a brilliant idea in that it keeps everybody playing rugby right to the end so all teams get to play get five games get five games and I think like, if you're going to go to Argentina you want to get five games what did you say 28 players is way too little you know like they, they're, they're training they, they, you know, these are young fellas these, these are young men whose bodies are still developing um, they haven't got their as, as one of the lads I used to coach years ago they haven't got their man strength yet <laughs> well, um, so you know they, they're more liable to be injured so yeah you'd like to see slightly bigger squads yeah bigger squads or maybe played over a longer period of time if, 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 if it's that important other interesting thing was just looking at the uh, tackle laws were being very heavily policed I mean Ryan Baird very unfortunate got sent off against Australia correctly mm. Pro- possibly the cost Ireland the game I don't know Australia had beaten New Zealand in the Oceania under 20 mm. final 24-0 mm. um, but his loss in that game was key Yeah. Uh, but that game the first half took 57 clock minutes to play Wow! because the referee wouldn't make a decision on anything Mm. So we were going to the TMO and going to the TMO. Interestingly, by the end of the tournament, and I, and I watched quite a lot of it, the referees were starting to make decisions. They'd obviously had a meeting and had a chat about it. Yeah. Slightly different to the way we see the referees operating uh, at maybe senior international level, yeah. where they're trying to get the power back to the on-field officials. Uh-huh. Um, oh, well, that's that's obviously like the tournament isn't just for the players. It's obviously for the referees as well. It's the, an opportunity for them to go and learn and and and. Uh, referee in high pressure situations against the top quality players of their age group but they're obviously top quality players so you know it's, it's an interesting dynamic for them as well Yeah, uh, three Connacht players involved uh, mm-hmm. Dylan Tierney Martin who I thought played exceptionally well uh, in a diff- it, it was a difficult time for, for Ireland but he stood up mm. um, he took a nasty bite on the arm uh, from Ian Redpath against England in the second game against England so mm-hmm. young Redpath got a three month ban which is quite correct yep. so you had uh, Colm Riley and Niall Murray uh, both Buccaneers and uh, Dylan's from Corinthians they came off the bench in, in, in nearly all the games maybe didn't get quite the minutes they deserved I thought because Ireland were a bit slow to make their substitutions I, mm. I felt in games when, uh, but it's interesting they finished up playing New Zealand for 7th and 8th because New Zealand really struggled yeah. and I don't, I don't think it's all about results in this tournament you, you lose one game and your whole plan yeah, goes out the window because yeah. they beat England comprehensively in the mm. group and they beat Italy uh, very well but in the middle Australia Australia in the end lost by a point to France in the finals of France have defended their title if some of these guys will go on and be professional rugby players some of them won't that applies to all the teams um, France looked very impressive but you just wonder when these lads go into the French clubs will the flair be knocked out of them uh, yeah. and they do have some big players but they also have some small looking players and you're thinking well French are going, French top 14 aren't going to be terribly keen on players of that size they want them a bit well, bulked up with well, the exception yeah. of Toulouse yeah of course except for Toulouse as you say with, with Chelsea and Colby who's, who's magical and hopefully we get to see him um, and just to just to finish off before we finish off there's one one piece of news came out of Connacht um, in the last little while with the um, Owen McKeown extending his contract which I think is a really a really good sign for Connacht because he's a uh, He's been a really good 
player for Connacht and when he's avoided injury he's been an excellent substitute for the injured Sean O'Brien so hopefully Sean O'Brien gets back fit and the two of them will be fighting for their, that number six spot for next season Yeah Connacht did well last season with injuries um, I think law of averages would dictate this year might be a bit tougher I think teams but they'll they'll be working on that I suppose the first thing the players face when they come back is the strength and conditioning boys are waiting for them uh, apparently the first week is hell that's what it's been described to me as by a couple of players in the past. Apparently when you get through that, then it's it's a lot easier. Um, it's a long run and they won't be playing any uh, competitive rugby till the end of September. I'm sure they'll be playing some warm-up matches. They Eagles are supposed to be in action through August and September. We haven't got confirmation of that, so you might see some of the senior players been rotated well, well, in some there. Of them, yeah, some of them played last year in the early part of that. Um, you had the likes of Tom McCartney was playing with them. Mm. So you, you you will see them. I think you will see some of the senior players. Daryl Leader, who came on and then had a very good second half of the season, he played a lot of games with the Eagles last year. Um, so you'd expect to see that. I see Ultra have lined up uh, home and away fixtures against Glasgow in early September. So I wonder if we're going to see something something similar. Yes, you, you have to do something. Mm. You, you've absolutely no choice. You can't just sit around waiting until and. I think uh, waiting until the end of September, you've, you've, you've got to play hmm. a certain number of warm-up games. So they'll, they'll be announced in due course. And we are also still waiting the exact details of the Women's Interprovincial Championship. But I am told there's going to be a little couple of changes in that, which might, in, might uh, be around playing some more games. OK, sounds interesting. We'll definitely be covering the women's game, assuming that they play their games in sort of late August, early September, which means we'll get a really proper chance to cover it properly and with no clashes with the with the men's fixtures. So with a bit of luck, we'll, we'll get a good draw there. OK, I think um, I think that's it for a, a midsummer podcast. There was an awful lot in there. That's great. Thank you, William. Thanks, Alan. See everybody at the sports ground on the 12th of July. Indeed. Indeed we will. Lose. Cut it loose Break out Or nothing changes Sad and confused Don't wait Until